Check, check. How's the mic? Hey, thanks for participating in that. I'm excited for us to be going through this series as we talk about friendship because Phoebe and I always hear from you guys that it's something that we feel like we could always be better at or feel like we don't know what we're doing. Um, and so with that, as we get started, a few things. Number one, um, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to need a Bible. And so we're going to pass out some Bibles if somebody can help with that. But make sure you grab a Bible. Number two, I want you to do this. I want you to grab your phone and I want you to put it face down on the ground. And I'm saying this because there will be times where you think it's more important to grab your phone and to look at what's on your phone than what's going to be coming out of my mouth. And I'm going to, I'm going to convince you that that is not true. And so if you have a phone, I would love for you to trust me by putting it face down on the ground because I have stood in the back of the room during a message many times and I know that over half of you are looking at your phones during the message and so, uh, and it's usually for a game or a video you're showing someone else and so please just put it down. And then lastly, if you are sitting next to someone who's going to distract you, I would encourage you just to even bump over a row or a seat. There's so much room in here to move, even if you need to grab a different chair, because I think it's so pivotal for what we're talking about today that everyone hears it. All right. Uh, hey, Brody, what up? Can you put that first picture on the screen for me? All right, so right here. Who here has ever flown before? Show of hands. Uh, what, what's happening right here? If you were entering in and you saw this scene, what's happening? Security, what are they doing? All right, one at a time. Maybe, who, who wants to, so Yevo, what were you just saying? Checking for weapons or other things. What else are they doing? Yes. They're checking for liquids. They're making sure that, what? That everyone that's going into the deeper parts of the airport and eventually going onto an aircraft are safe. Their job is to protect and to ensure that our airways are safe, that the airports are safe. Uh, many of us have probably not had many good experiences with TSA. If you're like me, every time you approach this scene, you like, start to sweat and feel like, maybe I, maybe I do have a weapon on me that I didn't know I had. Like, I had no idea. Maybe I've never owned a gun before, but maybe I do have one on me, and I didn't even, like, how did this happen? You begin to like, worry those worst-case scenarios. Uh, well, there was actually a time that I, I was flying when I realized that I, I did have a weapon on me and I had no idea. It was, uh, have any of you guys seen like those multi-tool like that slip into your wallet? So it was this metal multi-tool that had a knife on the end of it. And the worst part about it was I had flown maybe like four or five times with this knife in my wallet and it had never gotten stopped before. I was flying back from Hawaii. So I'd already gotten to Hawaii and I was flying back from Hawaii when I went through uh, the metal detector and like everything and they looked and they said, what's in your wallet? And I was like, probably debit cards and things like that. Um, and they pulled it out and they pulled out the multi-tool and they're like, what do you have to say about this? I was like, I, I didn't even know that was there. Like I had no idea. And of course you don't really have the words to say in that moment because you're, you're worried that they're assuming the worst of you in that situation. But I had brought a weapon onto a plane multiple times and had no idea. I had thought that I had actually gotten rid of it. I had, I had nothing that I was supposed to bring on the plane, but I actually was this whole time. I give this illustration because we're doing this series of talking about asking for a friend, and our hope is to like give you guys wisdom twofold. One, it's talking about things that maybe you feel like you're not super confident in talking about, like you feel a little embarrassed to be asking for. And number two, 
for you to actually grow in your friendship. So asking for a friend, you usually say that statement when you're asking for yourself, but you're trying to like dismiss it. We're trying to help you guys to be better friends to one another and also to look for better friends. This whole series that we're doing, because we believe that the friends that you surround yourself with, with, they will be the ones who you become like for the years to come. They set your trajectory. When you allow people to influence you, they will influence you. And so with that, talking about this illustration of sneaking, unintentionally sneaking a, a knife onto a plane, I think that as we're talking about this idea of forgiveness and resentment, many of us are well aware that as Christians, it is our responsibility to forgive people. Like, it is foundational, and we're going to talk about it today, but it's foundational to the gospel. If you don't understand the forgiveness that God has offered us, like, you have actually never put your faith in Jesus because it is so foundational to understanding what God has done for us. So we have this basic understanding. Christians are supposed to forgive others. But many of us walk throughout our days carrying these hidden pieces of resentment in our hearts, not even sometimes even knowing it's there. Some of us, we actually treasure it, which is a weird statement, but if you wrestled with it, you'd realize you hold on to it purposefully and you keep it hidden. But you can't. You can't keep it hidden. It comes out in the way that you interact and it comes out in the way that you actually choose to hide from God. So with that, as Christians, we're called to, to not just put up with people, not to retaliate, but we're actually called to forgive, to offer forgiveness to people who've wronged us and even to people who've wronged others in our lives. I've got two passages I want to look at, uh, but even before I open the word, we're going to be jumping around through scripture. They'll be up on the screen. You also have a Bible, and it's always helpful to look at it in front of you. Um, But I'm going to pray for us before we even look to the word to ask God to help us to hear what he has to say. So would you pray with me? God, every single one of us longs to be known. We long for fun memories. We long to make the most of this life. And Lord, you have blessed us with the capacity to be friends with people, to have relationships that matter. So Lord, as we even consider what it looks like for longevity in friendship and considering people who have hurt us, who have made mistakes or have intentionally gone out of their way to make our lives harder in all of it, Lord, would you help us to bring those experiences all of our ideas about what it means to love people, and would we just surrender it all to you? Would we look to your word? Would we not come in and determine what's right before we look to what you say is right? Would you help us to to bow down to you in a way? God, go before us as we look to your word and we listen. We love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at two passages right here and then jumping around with the rest of this morning. Sound good? Hmm. All right, Matthew 18, uh, verse 21 and 22. Like I said, it's on the screen, but it's always fun to have a Bible in front of you. I say this also, if you have to look at the table of contents, that is okay. You have permission to look at the table of contents in your Bible. It is not embarrassing. It is there for a reason. Use it if you need help. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, it says this. Then Peter came up and said to him, talking about Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and then I have to forgive him? How often? As many as seven times? Like, is that the limit, Jesus? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So there was this thought during the time that Jesus was walking on earth that if you were wronged three times, that you were then released from having to forgive someone. That was like what a lot of like Jewish teachers taught. Because if somebody wrongs you three times, like 
let him go, cut him loose. But Jesus is saying, love your enemies, be loving. And so you have Peter who's interpreting, okay, this is what other people have said, and that Jesus has said to love my enemies, all right, maybe we're supposed to do it the, like this special number, seven times, like more than anyone else is forgiving, to be more loving, more forgiving, but there is a limit. And so Jesus, is it seven times? If someone if wrongs me seven times, then I can let go of them. And Jesus responds by saying, I don't say seven, but 77 times. And some translations might even say 70 times seven, because it's hard to know exactly in the Greek what Jesus is saying. So is Jesus saying that we're called to actually count the number of times that someone's wronged us? And once it passes 77, it's like, I'm done. Finally, I've put up with 76 other times, but finally, I just was waiting for the last one. No, that's not what he's getting at. He's using this as like a hyperbole. He's trying to exaggerate. Like, you, you've heard seven. I want you to times that by, by 10. I want you to times that by a couple hundred. Like, keep going. Keep forgiving. Which is pretty hard for Jesus to say that. But let's actually look at Romans 12, 17 through 21. This is what Paul has to say. And he says this about what it looks like to interact with people who have hurt us or our enemies in Romans 12, 17 through 21, it says, Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, if you are capable, if in the scenario it is possible, so far as it depends on you, so when it's your responsibility, when you can do something about it, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Scripture, there has many, many accounts of just laying flat out that to love people as we are called to do, if you put our faith in Jesus, we are called to love God and love others. It will involve forgiveness. Because our job is not to retaliate, not to hold on to resentment, but to follow in God's footsteps that he actually has already like, laid the foundation for us. You see, the whole main point, if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this. We have been forgiven by God, therefore we forgive others. It is so basic and yet so hard to actually practice. You have been forgiven by God, therefore we forgive others. It flows out of you. When you receive the forgiveness of God, it is not just something that you get to hold on to and keep separate from the world, but actually it gets to go out to all the people that you interact with. So I want to break that down into those two parts, looking at a few other passages. We have been forgiven by God. As I've started out, this is foundational to what it means to know the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that we have been forgiven. But now, sometimes when we use words like that, like especially in church, we can kind of like, let those words go by and actually understand what they're saying. And so what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is absorbing a debt, so taking on a debt, like if somebody owes something, you take it on yourself, and you choose to voluntarily suffer. I actually, I get this definition from Tim Keller, who passed away a few months ago, from his book on forgiveness. And if anything is resonating with you today, I'm going to push you to like, look at that book. I'll, if you come to me, I will buy you the book, if you're interested, personally. But anyways, the definition is absorbing a debt and voluntarily suffering. What is helpful about this definition is it acknowledges that something has been done that is wrong. There is a debt that has been made. Something is owed. And so to forgive someone 
is to take on that debt voluntarily, saying, I will take that on myself. And so I have an example. I have a picture of Brody. Brody, put up a picture of Brody. Thank you. Uh, Brody didn't know this was coming. Okay, so imagine with me this picture of Brody. Those are my sunglasses right there that I let Brody borrow. And of course, he's posting this to his B-reel because he's showing off how cool it was to be wearing these sunglasses that are mine. But Brody, in a fit of excitement, uh, ended up jumping up and down and snapping the sunglasses in half. Ugh, my sunglasses, Brody. So Brody lets me know, hey, Tony, I know you let me borrow these sunglasses, but I broke them. Now, when that happens, a decision is made, whether you believe it or not. When somebody informs you of something that they have wronged you, a decision has to be made in that moment. And I can say, Brody, how dare you? Those were so significant to me, and you were so irresponsible, you idiot. Like, (laughs) I could go down that route, or something lesser, maybe, or I can say, you know what, accidents happen, I'll pay for those myself. I'll buy a new pair, or I will choose to go without sunglasses anymore. Does it make sense? Like, those are broken, they're no longer good. Brody has broken my sunglasses, in a sense he's wronged me. I have the choice, if I've chosen to absorb the debt, okay, broken sunglasses, they're mine, I can go buy a new pair myself with my own money, or I can go sunglassesless and live with bright lights in my blue eyes, um, I get blinded. It's such a basic example, but this is what forgiveness means. It's to take on the debt that is owed, voluntarily saying, I will take it, and I will pay it myself. This is so helpful for us when we understand that we're forgiven by God. Why? Because, well, one, we've been forgiven of our sin. You see, sin is anything that, is, that we do say, think, that goes, get, goes against God's character. And it, Scripture says that every single one of us is guilty. We're guilty of it today, and we're guilty of it tomorrow. And that debt has been made, that we owe God our entire lives. Actually, the, the, what you make, what you earn by sinning is death. That's the wages of sin, as Romans 6 says. You've earned death by sinning, every single one of us. And so we owe that to God. And yet Jesus goes to the cross on our behalf. He willingly lives a perfect life, steps down from heaven, takes on flesh, lives a perfect life, never sins, and then dies as a perfect substitute on your behalf. He takes on your debt. He dies in your place. And he does so willingly. Jesus wasn't forced to die. Some of us get that wrong. We think, well, because he got here and there was mobs and he was forced to go to the cross, he was killed. Jesus laid down his own life. He could have left at any moment, but he willingly did it. We've been forgiven by God. If we've put our faith in Jesus, we've accepted that forgiveness. That changes everything. He chose to suffer for us. He took on our debt. He did it all himself. Now, some of us, when we, when we think about forgiveness, this is not the picture we have. We actually have a few other pictures, which I'll put up three examples of them. We've got cheap grace, little grace, and no grace. Grace being receiving something you don't deserve. Often when we think about forgiveness, especially in our relationships in high school, we think in one of these three lenses when it comes to forgiveness. We think of cheap grace, that if somebody wrongs us, that you know what, I'm just going to let it go and not think anything of it. And it's just like no justice, like nothing, nothing needs to happen. Like walk all over me. I can, I can be broken left and right. And like, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to have a smile through it all. The things that they did were wrong is actually okay. It's this cheap idea of forgiveness of like, 
that we often get stuck with, and like, I like that question of, is it always important for us to forgive and forget? Because all of us believe, and deep down inside, like, it's not fair if someone is just constantly wrong that they never have to like, pay for what they've done, right? There's something in us that feels that way. There's got to be justice. And so when there is no justice whatsoever and people are allowed to get away with wrongdoing, it actually makes grace cheap because justice is part of the equation. There's also little grace. When somebody wrongs us, we start to have an equation for them of like, okay, uh, you can earn my forgiveness if you prove yourself worthy enough by doing a, a bunch of things to be better than you once were. And so, Brody, you broke my sunglasses, not not only do I want you to buy me a pair, but actually you should probably get me a nicer pair. You should actually like, spend twice as much as I spent because of the, the trouble I had to go through. You're still my friend, but only if you buy me a new pair that I really want. Man, I think a lot of us really do this. We make people jump through hoops, and probably because we've had to jump through hoops ourselves to keep friends at ease, at bay. And this is a, an idea of little grace. It's not true grace. It's earned grace, which is not grace at all. Grace is a gift. And then this last one, no grace. This idea of like, if you've wronged me, you're cut out. There ain't no way. <laughs> if you've wronged me, you don't deserve my friendship, you don't deserve a relationship with me, get out. We typically function with these ideas of forgiveness, but this isn't what God does with us. This is not how God forgives us. He forgives us with costly grace that cost him his son. It was expensive but he did so willingly. The forgiveness we receive from God is actually greater than we could ever comprehend. I love what Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does it remove our transgressions from us. That God removes our transgressions. I always wondered why it's like east from west. Have you ever wondered that if you've seen this verse before? Um, it's like a silly picture, but it's helpful for me. I love that uh, we think of it in east and west because if you keep going west around the world, with that globe that's up there. If you just kept going west, when will you stop going west? Never, Never right? Because you keep going west. What if you keep going east? What will happen? You will continue going east. You'll never stop. But what if I went north? If I kept going north, would I continue going north? I would not. Because you reach the top, and what happens? You start going south. It's so purposeful that we have this in Scripture, that God is, has, he gives this, like, perfect illustration of it's an infinite distance, infinite distance of the, the west from the east of how far God separates, offers his forgiveness to us. And that has been offered to you. You see, we're never going to be able to actually forgive others if we don't understand God's forgiveness of us in the first place. And some of us in this room, we, we, we say we understand and that we actually have allowed God to forgive us, but we still hold on to our sin claiming, man, I've done too wrong, God, you can't forgive this. I want to push back and say, actually, he can. He can forgive it. And he already has, if you're willing to actually accept it. So God's forgiveness is what leads us to, to forgiving others. Now, it's, it's great and all for us to talk about God's forgiveness of us. And many, I, I feel like I don't know many people who hop on board and just like are like angry by the idea of God forgiving us. But as soon as we take it to the next step of forgiving others, there's a lot of us in this room who would check a box of saying, there's, just, there's plenty of times that it's not okay to forgive and I just think that, I think it's because of what actually happens in our heart that we reach that point. There's something that happens in our heart when someone wrongs us that entitles us to more. 
Because what, what happens? Let me, let me just paint a picture for you. What happens if somebody bumps into you on the street and doesn't apologize? Just like what, what happens in your heart? You don't have to say it, but what wells up inside of you when someone does something to you that's not okay? For some of us, we jump to name-calling. It's the first thing out of our mouth. Start calling people names. Some of us, someone wrongs us, we begin to disrespect them to their face or behind their back. Some of us, if it's someone we're in a relationship with, we shame them, reminding them over and over and over again of the times that they did something wrong to us just to put them back in their place. Some of us ghost them. We make people feel like they no longer exist, which is really painful. I think everyone in this room has felt that. Some of us, we hit them back harder. You punch me, I punch you 10 times harder. Some of us just take note. We pretend like everything's okay, but we're actually holding on to it for when they actually cross a threshold where we can all throw it all back at their face. And some of us even just willingly take a beating. Like, we just, like, we just absorb it. And, like, I'm not even going to acknowledge the wrong. You see what happens uh, when, when we begin to, like, resent people, when we don't choose to forgive? We have, like, we create caricatures of people in our lives. You guys know what a caricature is? It's a picture that, like, is drawn that's, like, emphasizing certain traits of people. It's typically what's done at, like, an amusement park. You pay, like, $4,000 and you get this weird picture, you know? Uh, And it, like, emphasizes traits of people that you just can't get past. And so it's like, wow, the person drawing this might have thought that this guy had had like big cheekbones or a big nose. And so I'm going to make it significantly larger in the picture so that it emphasizes those things. But when you're resenting someone, you do the exact same thing in your heart. That person lied to me, yeah, because they're a dirty, rotten liar. That's who they are. Oh, that person was mean to me? Well, that's because they've never, they've never had a good bone in their body. Oh, that person, like, that person isn't generous when I ask for something from them? Well, it's because they're selfish. They don't understand what they've got. You begin to caricature people in your heart as you resent them. And actually, no longer are you not just like not forgiving them. You're actually beginning to hate them in your heart in the way that you all of a sudden are holding on to this resentment and it's changing the way that you see them. You see, forgiveness, to forgive someone, requires giving up the desire to get even. HSM, don't miss this. Forgiveness requires giving up the desire to get even. And the reason why we're called to do this, well, first and foremost, because we're told to, but because we have been transformed by the forgiveness of God. If God truly has forgiven me of my heinous sin, of things that should distance me from God, he should want nothing to do with me, and yet he chose to forgive me, and not just forgive and forget, like to walk away, but to forgive and invite me into closer relationship. It results in actually me knowing God better, not in us growing apart. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If you can find something that the Lord hasn't forgiven you from, if you can find something that the Lord would be unwilling to forgive, then you have grounds to not forgive someone. If you're able to come up to me and prove God will not forgive this, then you also have the grounds to not forgive that. But I I promise you, you're just not going to find it. You can search and search and search, but you're not going to find it. And now I know, 
I'm, I'm talking about like all of this in theory, and it's so much harder in practice. There are so many things that, I, like statistically, so many things that have gone on in this room that are horrible and should never happen to a single person ever. And I think my fear would be that you hear me talking about forgiveness and I say, this is light work, easy, just start doing it. And you actually, you, yeah, like do you have the thought of like, Tony, you have no idea what's happened to me. You have no idea what happened to my parents. You have no idea what has taken place. Like there's no way that I would ever be able to forgive them. And I think I, think I, I want to pause and say, you're right that I don't actually have an idea. You're right, I wasn't there. My life is different. There are things that are happening in this world. I mean, even as was mentioned in main service, like looking about what's going on in Israel right now, like literally right this moment. There are evil things happening in this world. And for me to stand up here and just say, all right, guys, go, go forgive. It's easy. Just do it. Misses the point that evil is not, like it's not something that we just dismiss. You're right that I don't understand. And you're right that the people who are offered forgiveness, that we're asking to be offered forgiveness, often don't deserve it. But the truth is, is that we don't forgive because we feel like it. Which this is where, this is significant. We don't forgive because you feel it. You don't forgive once you start feeling forgiveness. God, give me a feeling of forgiveness, then I'll forgive them. We forgive because God has already offered forgiveness to them and to us. Doesn't mean we ignore evil. We actually claim what's evil and say that that is wrong, and we seek to make right. We don't ignore evil. But God's forgiveness is transformative. And it's not withheld from anyone. If anybody wants it, they're able to receive it. I'm not saying you have to be friends with everyone. You see, friendship is mutual, and there are times that friendship will end, and that's okay, but you don't get the opportunity to hold a grudge against them for it. And I'm also not saying that punishment is wrong. There's actually justice that ought to happen, but that doesn't mean just because there's justice that there can't also be forgiveness. There's a, well, uh, I just got selected to serve on jury duty, which if you've ever been around an adult who's done it, they probably complained, um, because it's, uh, you have to be away from work for a while. Um, but I will be on this case, um, which made me think of another case which has stuck with me uh, for years. I haven't watched many trials, um, but uh, in tw 2018, there was this case uh, against Amber Geiger, who was a, was a police officer in Dallas, um, and she was returning home one night and assumed she was entering into her own apartment, and she actually entered into someone else's apartment, thinking it was hers, and uh, there, was someone, there was a figure in the dark, and she shot him, thinking that he was an intruder. But really, she had entered into someone else's home and shot him in, in his home. Um, so Botham Jean was killed by Amber Geiger um, in 2018, um, which is obviously like a gut-wrenching story of this woman thinking that she's being attacked, but really she's the one who is doing the attacking. And it obviously sent shockwaves through uh, the nation. I mean, you have a, a white female police officer shooting a, a black male in his home. And so, of course, people are like, what do we do with this? But um, at the end of the day, Amber Geiger was found guilty um, for her actions um, because she had gone against certain protocols that she should have been carrying um, as she was carrying her weapon with her and even um, entering into someone else's home. Uh, but what I want to hone in on is uh, the younger brother of Botham coming to the stand. Um, and this is like a really powerful story. It's, it's like what his response is to Amber. And so actually, I want to paint the picture of forgiveness for us as we look to 
uh, Brant's story as he speaks to Amber in the courtroom, and for us to even just consider how hard this would be if we were to try to do it on our own, but how easy it is with Christ. And so take a look. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. There's no way that Brant would be able to do that unless he felt like the fact that this woman is offered forgiveness in Jesus in the same way that he's been offered forgiveness in Jesus. And it's a powerful moment. I love the picture 
of, of Amber, who actually is still in prison at today, um, going up to him and giving him a hug in such gratitude of like, how in the world would you ever offer forgiveness to me? HSM, it's not going to be easy, and there will be times that you, you want people to forgive you and they won't, but as long as it's possible by you, you are responsible as Christians to find a way. The Lord has made a way for us to be people who forgive and to walk in wisdom and to consider what it means, especially in our friendships. Once again, that it does not mean we get walked over. It doesn't mean we ignore justice. It doesn't mean we have to be friends with everyone. But we get to be a people who live differently than the world and to actually desire the best for people, even when they're wanting the worst for us. So with that... I'm, I'm going to pray for us, and as I pray for us, I'm just, I'm going to create space, um, like, I'm going to create silence just for you to even consider, just for a moment, of maybe the Lord is uh, wanting you to consider, to ask him to help to forgive. And maybe for you, it's that this is a bigger conversation, um, to know that you've got leaders, you've got people in this room who want to walk with you and figure out what it looks like to offer forgiveness to people who seemingly don't deserve it. And so with that, would you pray with me? Father, we, we pause in this moment and we thank you once again for the forgiveness that you have given us. Um, Lord, that you have separated our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. It is gone and you remember it no more. And Lord, we, we thank you that you have made that so clear in scripture and that, um, that we, we just get to call out to you and you forgive, um, that the, the work has already been done. Um, but Lord, as we consider the, the rest of our days of the many the many highs and the many lows, the way people treat us well and the ways people treat us poorly. Um, Lord, there will be many, many hard moments to choose to forgive. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to be people who want to forgive people, to start with that. And Lord, would you just uh, turn us into people who are capable. But Lord, even right now in this moment, we pause and we, we look to you and ask that you would speak to us, that you'd bring up maybe people or things that we have to do um, that maybe point our attention back to you to invite you into that to consider how we should respond. And so, Lord, we, we give you this next moment. Lord, help us to not be content with resentment. Help us not be content with retaliation. Help us not to be content with making people earn our love or friendship. Make us content with the gospel in relationship with you. And would you get all the glory, all the honor, all the credit. We love you, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With AHSM, we're dismissed for the day. If you want to head out to the ministry fair that's happening right now and maybe you want to serve out on the front steps. Maybe there's more donuts too. Who knows? We love you guys.